Let's open our Bibles this morning to Isaiah chapter 6. This morning I wanted us to consider, do you need a fresh vision of God? Isaiah is telling us of his call experience in Isaiah chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. Here's how he says it. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one cried to the other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the post of the door were shaken with the sound of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe! Is me, for I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live in the midst of the people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the Lord, the King of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken from the altar with the tongs. And he touched my mouth with it, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for just the opportunity to be in your house again. Father, you made this appointment with us. You have us here for your purposes. To that end, by the power of your Holy Spirit, calm our hearts and our minds from the things of the world that so easily beset us so that we don't miss those purposes and what you'd have us to do this morning. Father, for some... You are giving them one more chance to accept Jesus Christ publicly as their personal Lord and Savior. For some, you're calling them to join your work here at Gasville Baptist Church by letter, statement, Lord, by baptism. For some, Lord, you're calling on them to lay down their burdens so they can serve you anew for others to surrender to special service. But Lord, the main thing is, we don't want to miss your call. We don't want to say no. We don't want to be forgetful hearers of the word, but faithful doers of your word. To that end, guard our hearts and minds. Give us courage to do exactly what you want us to do. And not worry about what everybody else thinks, but worry about what you think. Focus us upon you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. There was a small country church, and their church was in bad shape. 
The floors were sagging. You could see uh, through some of the boards that had spread out. The roof was starting to come down. They didn't know what they were going to do. They were just a poor little country church. And finally, one of the deacons said, I'll build you a new church. They said, what do you mean you'll build us a new church? He said, well, I'll take the whole cost of building a new church building. Okay, but there are a few conditions. They said, well, what are the conditions? He said, well, first of all, I get to build it. Secondly, the plans are my secret. Don't ask. And thirdly, I don't hear any complaints when it's done. The church voted to let him do it. And sure enough, the construction began, and everybody was trying to see, but he had a, a big wall that nobody could see in, erected around it, you know, and, and it was totally secret. And, and in about six weeks, they had a brand-new church building, and they, they scheduled a celebration. And they there on the new church building, and the first thing they know, the deacons welcomed him in and said, come in, and they sit on, he said, you sit on the back row, and then that row rotated forward. Sit on the next row, and that row rotated, until the whole church rotated forward. And he said, now, preacher, everybody's in here. I know you're excited, but I want to tell you one thing. He said, what's that? He said, worship service ends at 12 o'clock. He said, I know that. I said, okay. So the preacher, he's up there waxing elegant. He's all excited. I mean, here the church house is full for the first time in years. They're in a brand new building. Everything is just immaculate. He's just going on with it. And then it happens. At 12.02, a trap door opens up underneath the pulpit, and he falls into the basement. The deacon stands up, walks back to the back, says, remain seated. I told him it quit at 12, and he rotates back, and people start going out. Now, we're not quite that bad. Yeah, some of y'all wish they'd open up on me, don't you? Keep your mouths quiet. There you go. But see... Worship means different things to different folks. But sometimes we need to ask ourselves simple questions. What what does it mean to worship? Where do we worship? When do we worship? How do we worship? All those can change, but who we worship never changes. We come to a section of scripture where Isaiah relays his call experience. Isaiah is upset. He starts it off and he says, in the year that King Uzziah died. That doesn't mean a whole lot to us, but you need to understand what he's saying there. Is when good King Uzziah died. They hadn't had a whole lot of good kings. I'll share a little bit more about that. But you need to understand he's upset. He doesn't know what the future holds. And yet, in the midst of that worship service at the temple, he is transported. He gets a fresh vision of God and experiences true worship. Now, three things happen to Isaiah that need to happen to us if we're going to experience a fresh vision of God and experience worship the way he wants us to. You see, if we're going to worship the way God wants us to, if we're going to have a fresh vision of God... There's one thing we have to do. We have to keep our focus on our God in worship. Did you hear that? That sounds simple. It's not often that way. We have to keep our focus upon our God in worship. And so let's look at those three things that that Isaiah experienced that we have to. The first one is this in verses 1 through 4. Isaiah saw God as he really is. He saw God as God really is. 
In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above it, above the throne of God, flew the seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. With two, he flew. And one cried out to the other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken. By the voice of him who cried out, and the whole house was filled with smoke. What is he telling us there about seeing God as he really is? Notice point A, the sights. What are the sights that he sees? He's having a vision from God as he's in the temple. Everything on earth fades away. The time is approximately 740 B.C. It's the year that King Uzziah died. He was called a good king. Now, Uzziah reigned for 52 years in Jerusalem. Over half a century. But more than that, he sort of brought a Jewish renaissance during his day. You see, they had peace. They had stability. They sought the Lord the days of Uzziah. Uzziah died of leprosy. The Bible doesn't give us the exact reason. Most scholars think that Uzziah made a mistake one day and tried to offer incense. It was just the priest's priest's job and God judged him for that pride. But he had rebuilt the cities. He had garrisons stationed throughout. It was a time of some of the greatest economic a development and prosperity since the time of Solomon. Things were good when Uzziah was king. He had even equipped all of his armies with the best weaponry that money could buy. So Isaiah sees all this and he's upset. But I think God gave him this vision to let him know that the true king was still on the throne. So what does he see? He sees God high and lifted up. Do you realize when we catch a fresh vision of God and we really come for worship, God is always exalted in the services. Not the preacher, not the music guy, not the singer. God is exalted. Then he sees the train. It's the robe of royalty. It fills the temple. Again, when it's true worship, when God is exalted, when we catch a fresh vision of him, there's not much room for anything else. When God really is present, he crowds out the worries and the cares of the world and our hearts focus upon him. Hmm. Then he sees the seraphim. The seraphims are a high order of angel. Literally, they're called the burning ones is what seraphim means in the Hebrew. Why are they burning? Because they're so close to God, flying above his heavenly throne, that they reflect his glory. And just to look at them, burn Isaiah because of God's marvelous glory. 
Each one has six wings. With two, he covers his face. Speaking of humility, if you're going to worship God, you have to come in humbled. With two, he covered his feet, his lower body, modesty. With two, he flew. That's service. If you're going to really worship God, you better be ready to serve as he calls you to serve. If you come in here saying, I don't want to change, you're not going to experience true worship. You're not going to get a fresh revelation of God. It's not going to happen. God is God and he can change us if he wants to. He can demand of us, his people, what he desires. We have no right to tell the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, no. None. That is sin. Those are the sights. But what are the sounds? See, in a worship service, it's not just the sights, it's the sounds. I like the sounds of worship services. I walk in here and y'all sound like a bunch of little busy bees. Not an angry sound, but a friendly sound. That's wonderful because I've been in churches doing revivals where it was quiet and you knew something was wrong. After church, I like that we have to wait on y'all to get you out of here. They're a little faster on Sunday mornings because they're hungry, but Sunday nights, no. But I'm glad of that because if you've been in worship service where everybody scatters, something's wrong with the church. If they can't wait to get out the door, you know something's bad wrong. I love the sounds of the organ and piano playing. I love the sounds of the choir. I love the sounds of our specialist. I love the sounds of the small children in our worship that will comment. Even if they're crying, they comment. But what did he hear? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. You see, these angels, these seraphim, as they're flying, they're serving Almighty God, are singing, and this is a word that I didn't really use very much, but it's called antiphony. It means one sings back to the other, back and forth. So they're singing back and forth, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. See, it reflects God's Trinitarian nature that it's three times said holy, but it reflects holy, holy, holy means the ultimate in holiness. But here's what it means for us so that you don't miss this. It means God is totally separate from man. We are sinful. He is holy. But the best news is, but he's not far off. There Isaiah is in the temple courts of heaven. Holy, holy, holy. Oh, Lord God, you can see the burning ones. But he's still there. He's within reach. That's good news. Enjoy the sights, the sounds. But... What about the sensation of worship? How did he feel? Evidently, he could hear it or he was near enough the door of the sanctuary 
Because he said the doorpost trembled at the voice of the ones who cried out. Can you imagine that? Just a little earthquake when you meet for worship. Just a little shaking when we come together. Uh, I think that would end the worship service. (laughs) And smoke, the presence of God. And usually smoke and the presence of God was the presence of judgment when it was smoke in the Old Testament. Oh, and it fills the house. And you know how smoke is. It chokes you up. It tears you up. Those things are what he is feeling. They're the sensations. And what grabbed me about this, how does that apply to me? The very doors tremble at the holiness of God. But men's heart often don't. The very presence of God brings tears as the smoke fills the temple. But oftentimes with men, it does not. How sad. How awful. There's a Jewish legend of praise. and God saw everything he did in creation. And he looked around at some of the heavenly hosts and he said, what's lacking? What's missing? And they said, praise to the creator. And God said, okay. And he made praise. You hear it in the wind. You hear it in the river or the brooks. You hear it in the birds singing every day, every morning. You hear it among God's creation. But do we hear it among God's people? If not, we need a fresh vision of God to really worship. Our land needs a fresh vision of God. Because praise to our king is lacking. Now listen, if problems are keeping you from worshiping, if people are keeping you from worshiping, if even the preacher is keeping you from worshiping, focus on God. The sights, the sounds, the feelings of worship should touch our hearts because the Holy Spirit is here with us. And he wants Jesus to be high and lifted up. And if Jesus is high and lifted up, he said, I will draw all men to me. That's men, that's women, that's humankind. Now I'm going to get a little personal. If you don't feel like adoring God this morning, if worship bores you, if you think it's the same old, same old, If it doesn't thrill you, I want you to ask yourself, why? Either you don't know the Savior, or you're not where you're supposed to be with the Savior. Because it's not about us. Do you catch that? You see, we think worship is about us. I come to church to make me feel good, Brother Gary. I hope you do. But that's not the reason to come to church. I come to church to worship the one who saved me from my sins. It's about him. And when we focus on him, we get a fresh vision. When we focus on him, 
we truly worship. Now, do I want you to enjoy worship? You better believe it. Do I want you not to be bored? I hope so. Do I want you to feel better when you came in than when you left? Yes, unless you're wrong with God. And then I want you to feel bad until you get right with God. Everybody thinks, that's terrible, Brother Gay. No, it's not. I want you to be rightly related to God. It's I want to be rightly related to God. Because that makes life worth living. And if your hard, cold, cruel heart doesn't feel that, you need to get right with God this morning, period. There's no such thing as just a little sin. God doesn't just wink at it. He is holy, holy, holy. Do you catch that? Holy, holy. Sin cannot be in God's presence. His judgment will come. The only thing that saves us from that is the grace of God through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And that deserves praise. The second thing. Not only did Isaiah see God as he really is, Isaiah saw himself as he really was. Did you see it there? Look at verses 5 through 7. He saw himself as he really was. Now realize the door is shaking. The angels are singing. The smoke has filled the temple. And it says, So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim, the burning ones, flew to him, having a live coal in his hands, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. Think about how painful this is. And he touched my mouth with it, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. He saw himself as he really was. What was the reaction? (laughs) As Isaiah is standing there before a holy, holy God in all the worship experiences, he realizes how sinful he really is. Too often we wink at sin. Too often we think, I'm not so bad. God's lucky to have me. Wrong. Nada. Not true. Unreal. Braggadocious. Prideful. What word do you want me to use? We are lucky to have God. But when he sees how sinful he is, he repents. He says, woe is me for I am undone. You see, woe is me is funeral language. It means I cannot exist. I cannot speak. He felt surely he had to die for his sins in front of a holy God. When God's word confronts you, and it will if you're wrong. When the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart, does it bring repentance or anger? Does it bring apathy or encouragement? What does it bring? Does it bring nothing? Do you not hear the voice of God? Something's wrong if God does not speak to you because God speaks to his people. 
For some, it's just a quiet, still voice. For others, it's an impression. For some, it's just you know that it's the Holy Spirit moving in your life. But you'll know. Then he says it. Woe is me, for I am undone. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of the people of unclean lips. Now, what does unclean lips mean? Just doesn't mean that we hadn't washed them. Doesn't mean that we've been gossiping. Doesn't mean that we've been cursing. Doesn't mean, I can keep going on, but I'll stop. Here's what it means. He says, I have seen the King Jehovah and I cannot live. How can I live? Unclean lips means leprous lips, defiled lips. <clears throat> Jesus said it this way. In Matthew twelve thirty four. he said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. He says, I am sinful all the way to my core. What proceeds from my mouth is as leprosy, totally unclean, totally gross. And not only that, he's confessing not only his sins, but the sins of his whole nation. Therefore, worship takes place. What does that mean to me, Brother Gary? When was the last time that we worried about not just me and mine and my family, Uncle John, Aunt Sue, us four no more, but we worried about the sins of our nation to the point that it drove us to our knees, realizing how evil we are before a holy, holy God. If it doesn't move you, the shape of America today, Something's wrong with your Christianity. Well, I think we're doing pretty good, really. Since Roe versus Wade, 60 million babies have been aborted. New York passed that bill, and Elizabeth's going to say, I'm getting political. I'm not getting political. I'm trying to say righteousness. They passed the bill that to the very date you're due, you can have an abortion. If that baby comes out and lives, a doctor is no longer allowed to help it survive. It's to die right there. But you see, we can go to other instances too. It used to be that assisted suicide was illegal in all 50 states. Now you can help somebody die and not be charged with anything. When I say help them die, what do you do? You give them poison. And you help them poison themselves. That used to be murder. Now it's all well. You know they were old. And they were suffering. And this and that. Really? What's the difference in that? I want you to hear me. I want you to perk up. Between America. And the Nazis of World War II Germany. Who did all kinds of experiments on people. Who helped people die. Who said anybody that's older than a certain age isn't worth living. Anybody who has um, any kind of physical defect is not worth living. And besides that, we want God's people all killed. And you think America is okay doing those kind of things? I better quit or I will get political. Do you hear me? Do you hear God? Do you hear Isaiah? 
We live in the midst of a people of unclean lips and there's no hope. Except, but, he gives us the remedy. He sure does. Then one of the seraphim, you know the seraphim are servants for God. Who do you think told the seraphim to do this for Isaiah? God did. Hallelujah. The grace of God coming through, Old Testament and New. He took the tongs off that altar. And he took a live coal and he carried it. Because a live coal isn't hot when you're in the presence of a holy God all day. Did you catch that? And he touched it to his lips. Sin is always painful. The price of sin is painful. Look at Jesus on the cross if you don't believe that. He suffered and died for my sin and your sin. He experienced all that pain, all that wrath of God, all that judgment for us. Hallelujah, give him praise. And he said, your iniquity is taken away, your sin is purged. That means in the Hebrew it's forgotten, it's covered, it's extinguished. You see, the fires of that altar would burn that sacrifice up until it was extinguished. God's wrath was extinguished and the offer was forgiven. You look at the altar of the cross and what Jesus endured for you and for me. And God's wrath was satisfied with a perfect sacrifice of his holy, well-loved son for you. And for me, and we can experience his love rather than his judgment, but we have to choose. And we're responsible, as Miss Sylvia so eloquently sang, about that choice. Hmm. When we worship, do we see God as he really is? Do we see ourselves as God sees us? Are we happy with a pat on the back and a sugar stick and go home? Which is it? Do we see lost neighbors hurting, headed for hell? People without Christ? Or just people that annoy us because they're our neighbors and they do weird stuff? There is a difference. In worship... I'm going to mail. It's free. Are we more worried about what people wear or don't wear than if they hear about Jesus? Now, I'm not saying that I want some of y'all to come in bikinis because I don't. Okay. But I'm going to make a few observations. We'll get upset if somebody wears something we don't think is quite right, like a hat in church. I'm not saying wear your hats. But, you know, that's not the biggest sin that'll be in the church that day. D- did you hear me? I'm not saying, you know, we know out of respect you take your hats off, correct? Everybody say amen. amen. Okay. But what if somebody who's lost, who's never been raised in church, wears their hat? No, you quit that. That person that's lost needs to hear about Jesus. When Jesus saves them, he'll clean them up. As I've said before, and I want you to hear me, you never clean a fish before you catch it. Now, Charlie tells me once in a while that I'm, I'm gutting them, jerking so hard before I get them in the boat. But, you know, other than that, 
You see, do we see ourselves? Now, I want you to hear me. True worship in the Bible always lets us see ourselves as we are. False worship, even today, false worship lets us feel pretty good about ourselves. False worship doesn't condemn us. False worship doesn't let us feel bad. False worship lets us take a comfortable nap. Don't be guilty of false worship. The third thing. Isaiah, Isaiah. Let's see if I can say that right. Isaiah. Does that sound southern enough? Isaiah saw the promise of commitment to God. There it is. Verse 8. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. And in the Hebrew it means, Here am I. Here am I. Call on me. (laughs) That's what true worship does for you. It gets you excited. True worship, a fresh vision of God gets you ready to go. And here's what I saw out of this. Isaiah hears it. And he's free to choose, yes or no. You're free to choose, yes or no. But you're responsible for that choice. But not just that. The other thing that applies to us is this. Did you notice he didn't question where you're sending me or what am I going to be doing? He said, here am I, send me. Later on he learns they'll hear but they're not going to respond. They'll see but they're not going to understand. But he doesn't care. He's doing what God wants. Just send me. And so in verse 9 God says, go. You and I aren't responsible for the results. We're responsible For living a holy lifestyle, we're responsible for serving God. We're responsible for saying yes, and God will take care of the results. Hallelujah. You see, he saw the promise of a commitment, and he meshed his will with God's will and surrendered. He meshed his will with God's will and surrendered. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Some of you... Need to do that this morning. Some of you have never accepted Jesus Christ publicly as your personal Lord and Savior. It's time to quit making excuses. It's time to quit quit being afraid. It's time to come forward and surrender to Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Some need to do the same thing about church membership. You need to join by baptism, letter, or statement how we receive members and just get it over with. Because this is where God has for you to serve. Some need to come in rededication. It's been a while since you felt excited about worship. You can blame whoever or whatever. Problems, people, the preacher, doesn't matter. You're responsible for worshiping God. You need to come in rededication and get that straight. Some need to come and surrender burdens. I'm not making light of this. Life is hard. Life can batter us. And we need to get those burdens out of the way so that our worship is not hindered. 
whatever decision you have, those are many more. You need to make it public. I'm going to stand. I'm going to pray. We're going to stand. Brother Ronnie's going to lead the hymn invitation. And you need to come. You don't need to wait. The longer you wait, the easier it is to put it off. You need to come. Just as soon as the song starts and get right with God. Father, let your will and only your will be done. Let Jesus be glorified in the midst of our invitation. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Will you stand please?